We're here talking about the goon. My name is Joe. I'm here with. I'm Paul. I'm George. And uh, this is a place of heartache and grief. And I'd like to start by arguing that that title is exactly what it offers. That this is a pretty dark representation of things. Uh, you know, we talked about the um, humorlessness of Chinatown and and Mr. Wicker and all of this. It seems like. That has continued on. Now, certainly there is more humor in There's this. There's some bright spots in here. There's some bright spots. But um, I think by this point in the arc of the goon, you're getting a kind of definitive darker voice. I think Powell has kind of crossed the Rubicon with it himself. He can't go back. He can't be that childish guy any longer, right? He He's achieved something greater, and that's become the new Powell, right? It's the well, new standard by he which does, he operates. I mean, he kind I, of just <laughs> in at the end that Peaches right. Valentine... Yeah, stuff. But I mean, throughout it was pretty relentless. It's relentless, though. I mean, right? The the actual story, you know. Yeah, I'm not arguing that he's like it's abandoning. Like not, not any of these uh, single episodes or stories were, you know, a total shift in character or anything. You know? No, no, no. Uh, he's not abandoning the old, you know, ideals. You know, the the silly comedy, all of that. But you agree that it's taking a definitively kind of darker bent. The only issue I have with this whole issue overall is that it's, I think it's setting up a lot of future stuff so that you're not getting a whole ton of movement and, uh, you know, it's a little... It's all over the place. A little it's, boring right, here. And well, just ooh, setting boring. up different threads. All right, so, yeah, you know, one of the notes I have is this is definitely feels like transition. And you have five different it's issues it. here. and But it, every one of them, even towards the end, still feels like setup and transition. Right. I think this is like second start, right? Chinatown got us to a conclusion of, of part one, right? Now we're on to part two of the goon's life. Right. And so you really have should to do be, a lot right? of exposition and get stuff well, out, I, out I there. Well, I will say this. I think it's more complicated than that because we actually said that like for um, okay. so trade paperbacks. Part three then. Yeah, it, right. We had the first thing where all right. the guys came together. They had the big True. showdown in Lonely, on Lonely Street. Street. Then you have, I think, the buildup of what? The new... I don't even remember. Well, Zombie Priest has to... Re- I think Zombie... Right, yeah. New powers, new new strategy, new attack. Right. Which, you know, gets resolved. But it doesn't really get resolved, but clearly Goon is taking the upper hand, right? So it's a shift yeah. in power. It I goes from being, right. right, Zombie Priest kind of in control with Goon on defense to now Goon being completely in control and what's happening. And now the, this is the beginning of the new shift away. Right. Right? I, right. I think that's right. With the new priest... Right, that introduction of that character. Mm-hmm. And the return of a lot of villains in a new role or a new capacity, a new way that we, we knew them previously in some other kind of way. One thing I, They're coming I, back I had now. another issue with that, too, with the, the Harpies coming back and uh, uh, Skinny. But that's an iconic Skinny comic book. Like, you know, it's a cliche of comic books, right? You take yeah. a villain who was defeated and you find a new way to reintroduce him. There's, there's something fun about that. I like that. So... I think it was a dead. <laughs> no, you see, okay. You want finality. Even but you're Rossi, not going to get it. It's a comic Rossi book. shows up right. alive somehow, but, you know? It's, it's, or, it's comic books. That's what we look I, forward to. I right? guess maybe that's why I'm not in that whole world. All right, so I think one of the big themes in this edition is the idea of playing with narrative trappings, right? There's several times in this book where 
where it's like, rather than give you the big, long exp- explanation, they're just back. The Harpies, I think, is the best example of that. Right. You know, you get the uh, the scene with the, the magician who's suffering because he's under their spell or whatever. Right. And... You know, they, they've glued back the, the ruby or whatever it is. Right. Without any explanation of how they And you go like, oh, that's why the harpies are back. And he's like, nah, that's just to keep me alive. They're just they're just back. Yeah. You know? In other words, he has the tools to create the narrative that's going to satisfy us, but it ain't about that. Right. I think that's right. really smart. He's leaning into the idea of of artifice, right? Of, of comic book cliche and doing interesting things with it. I think you have to when you get to this many volumes well, uh, yeah. producing that much, you know, putting out an issue every at, month. At some point, right, you have to turn inward to find interest. You know, think of Seinfeld, right, to use a, a silly example, you know. When you get to those last couple seasons, it's mostly commenting on the series. Right, co- commentary on, Rather absolutely. than being the series. Right. And it's just as good. It's just a, a postmodern kind of inward look as opposed to just a display and i think that's what we're starting to see emerge mm-hmm. here all right i wouldn't say that of chinatown chinatown's a straight up north absolutely story. that was that was solid yeah good i feel absolutely you know endorse everything you're saying there's that moment in the book and i don't want to speak too too much to it now where and i think it takes real talent on on palace part to do this where we cease to feel hatred for the priest and we actually start to feel empathy for the priest Oh yeah, right. Because Absolutely. our villain sort of becomes the antihero, and right because a new villain, a better villain, a, a, yeah. enters. It takes skill to do that—to take a character we've loathed and wanted to see the downfall of, and actually pity him, yeah. right? Now that his destruction has come, and feel badly for him, right? That's you know, and, and I think that's important. He has to do it in this book one because we now know about the history of the priest, so we can empathize with him. And once you right, yeah. know about a villain, you don't hate him anymore. But also, right. The, the priest got what was coming to him. He started to break the rules, the natural rules of, of what is the world that, that Powell has created, and so there's a price for that. So even everyone has to pay that, the natural order of things. Everyone has to yeah. pay the price. And I think, right, that's more complex than what we were doing Far more before. complex, right. So that's not Fishy Pete. No, right, exactly. <laughs> or the, uh, the chainsaw with eyes or whatever <laughs> that shit was. Um, the other big example that turned me on to this idea was on page 50, right, it's the very end of the second chapter, I don't even remember what the storyline is. What is that? Oh, that's that's the harpy story. You get this very strange thing that does not need to be in the comic at all. It does nothing to the plot. And it's um, Frankie with the kind of lonely woman at the bar. Right. Right? And Frankie's looking at her. They comment on her earlier. Right? And we're supposed to think that that's not Frankie's kind of girl. He likes the buxom, you know... Uh, you he likes know, the pinup girl of the 1950s, right? right? That's what he's into. And at the end, we see him go over and say hi, and it's a very sweet moment. Underneath, right, this is Powell's kind of editorializing. He even names himself here. Um, if this were a teen comedy from the 80s, the homely Gilda would have gotten a makeover from uh, Spider, and she and Frankie would have fallen madly in love while tears of, for fears or psychedelic furs or some shit played in the background. Eh? That's not really what I do. But if you want to envision this story ending that way, you feel free. I'm not going to read the rest. You right. get the point perfect. by that. Absolutely perfect. In other words, what I do is a reflection of myself. You know, what it, it's, it's arbitrary beyond that. You know what I mean? Storytelling is, is the will of the artist. It's not some kind of grand schema that always needs explanation. Or, right? This story could have ended a multitude of different ways. 
This is what he chose. He's commenting on the very nature of storytelling. I, but that shows sophistication on Powell's part that as a storyteller, he always leaves room for your own imagination. Yeah. You make of it what you want. You fill in the pieces that I'm going to leave, as he always does, for instance, with science or the, the super science that goes on. Right. I'm not going to explain it to you. You want to figure it out, you're welcome to do so. I'm just going to show you something neat and cool, and you know, you fill in the backstory as you want. Like with the, the medallion with the harpies. Why are the harpies back? I don't know. You figure that out. Right. The harpies are back, right? It's important to my story. I'm going to give you an answer, but fuck it. Then I'm going to take right. it right away. Exactly. From right? You yeah. make it what you want. I, yeah, there's... there's there's a bravado in that. There's a courage to sure. say, I trust you, the reader. I know who my readers are. You go ahead and you do what you want with it. Yeah, I think that's right. An ownership, right? You buying any of this? You look skeptical, Paulie. We're, we're, the we're bringing Paul around. He's coming like, around. He's kind of like, all right, I just want to move on to the next thing, and you, you do what you want with these characters. I don't care enough about what happens. No, next, I think know? that's a little bit of an overstatement. I mean, there's enough of those. You said it before. There's enough of those characters that carry over. They're not, you know, they, they are those characters. They're, they're not inconsistent. I think the the narrative structure is changing, right? The characters have grounded us for this shit. I consider it kind of a throwaway, and it's not important, honestly. That story arc, I'm sure Gilda, I, we won't see her again. It doesn't matter. You're right, but as as I think author, it only it's only featured here to make the thematic point. I feel like he's pushing on, just kind of throwing things away. Like even uh, like you turn to page uh, ninety six, ninety seven. It's deep in. Right, with all the uh, the changelings attacking him from the side, right? right. right? He said, you don't even get a big fight scene or anything. Yeah. It's just like this, and then the end. This is the end result. They're like, he, like he's just moving forward very quickly, and almost like I don't care even to draw those perhaps three pages you could have got. See, and you're saying that's a problem. That's... No, no. I, I like moving things forward, but it could be laziness. It could be... Uh, no, I think 97 is absolutely beautiful. I mean, on 96, we have the, the changelings jumping out of the snow at him. Clearly, it's an ambush. He says a setup. And he doesn't need to spend three pages showing you in the heat of battle. We know who right. Goon is. But in all the earlier Goon it. stuff, he did. And that's what it was about. Th- that's all we're saying. Right. You don't need it anymore. Right. He's a minimalist, right? I'm just going to show you beginning and I'm going to show you end. And you know exactly what's going on. His interests in storytelling are changing. I think we could reduce it further. You could. Kind of four pages. Don't right? buy the book. <laughs> right, exactly. Or, or down to zero. No, but um, I, I, what I'm, I guess what, what George and I are arguing is that this is a... We're trying to, I guess, pinpoint the evolution and what he's, you know... No, he's definitely doing things in a different way. And yeah. I, could, I, I could appreciate and respect I mean, but your point's well taken. I actually think the first story, Chapter 1, The Return, is, is a great example of that. I mean, the whole story in and of itself is this kind of flashback that earlier we would have seen, you know, fully dramatized, right? right. Page upon page, right? Yeah, page yeah. upon page. He has page. to tell you. He's not there anymore. So why is the story kind of told in this flashback mode? You know, why don't we just get it dramatized? Because I think it's playing with some deeper themes that are like, you know, what we can remember, how the things of the past change us today. And seeing that juxtaposition is more interesting to Powell than simply just telling the stories anymore, you know? Um, By the way, I looked yeah. up the word um, Dingle right? Piper. Dingle Piper. <laughs> you did. I did. I want to know if I can say Powell playing with us. Urban Dictionary is really the only place we can find it, really? which identifies a Dingle a Dingle Piper as a, a mythical object for which it has many uses, depending on how the author wants to use it. Really? Yeah. Huh. So it's like a like a literary trope. Yeah, exactly. Like it's just kind of oh. a, a cliche that's out there. Use it how you want. I thought it was just some, like, bullshit play on Dingleberry. Right. I, I think so, too. I think there's, there's that. Because, I mean, granted, we're using Urban Dictionary as the source of, of defining what this term means. 
but like a, a term to be played with. Yeah. Which, of course, is perfect for Frankie. That's what he is. And But it, again, plays back to the Powell idea that I don't want to tell you what the object is. Right? Use your imagination. You fill in the blank yourself. The same way he always crosses out his curse words. Yeah, right? Right. Joe used the word, you know, shit, when he was right. describing what... But Powell actually crossed out the word. Yeah. Clear you on can, his intent, though. You right? could insert yeah. whatever profanity you want or other kind of word. Have some fun with it. You know, it's like uh, he's giving you license to apply your own creativity to the story as well. Yeah. No, I think that's right. I think that's right. Um... So the a couple other things in this first story, um, a page fourteen at the bottom. Oh, wonderful! There, there's another example <laughs> of like this kind of play, and it's um, who's a Willie Nagel. Willie right? Nagel, right? And this is you know, wonderful. What Willie does, right? Right. And yeah. This is Paul's guy, Willie, right? Being being Willie. Come on, Willie, right? But I'm here they are, warm blooded meat bags. Get them. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, we don't know like if we can trust Willie. He shoots them instead right, of the good. Right. It's all very smart. But I love this little editorial here, right? How uh, I guess this is the goon's mm-hmm. point of view. Funny how things end up. The priests used to ha- have a crew made up of hags, lurks, and a mess of slack jaws. Now I got a couple of bog lurks and a slack jaw working for me. I wonder if that's a sign about where things are going around here. Backwards and fouled, fouled up. up. Very interesting, right? So, you know... Metacognitive, understanding, absolutely. right? How things are changing. Right. This is a world that we we don't understand the enemy anymore. I mean, I'm going to get lofty here. I can see people, like, you know, snicker under their breath. But isn't that the world we live in, you know, today in this, uh, you know, Christ, post-9-11 world of the rhetoric, uh, you know, most of which I don't buy into. But this, these are the concerns of today. Right? Right. Um, the enemy is not clear anymore. The enemy is not even an enemy necessarily. Right? It, it's just a, a different point of view that's, that's in Correct. clash. Correct. It's all perception. Um, you know, when, when are we, this is, you know, I, I think commenting on what the, is good, what is evil, who's the, the hero? The modern right. crisis we find ourselves yes. in. Right. right? He's, right, we believed up until this point that the goon was the good guy. The zombie priest, as you said before, bog lurks, um, zombies were the bad guy. But that's not the case anymore, right? The goon and pal are both saying, like, why is it we're really fighting? What, what is it really going on? Right? There must be something deeper than this just kind of mindless sense of good and evil paradigms that don't really exist. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. But it's not clear anymore. I... I don't think it was really ever clear, though. I mean, the goon was working with crime syndicates, you know? But I think for the, in, in the yeah. early part, when Zombie Priest is running the town, when he has his, his hand of control over the town, goon is looking to reestablish law and order for the common man. Right? He uses the syndicate basically as a means to make sure that the streets are protected so little old ladies can go buy their cream corn right, <laughs> right. at a fair price from the market. That's really what he wants. But now the Zombie Priest is on the run, and he's kind of in control, and what does that mean? Right? So what do you do now? How do you define yourself yeah. now? Right, right. If the bad guys aren't necessarily bad, what does that make me? Does that make me still a good guy? Right. You know, relatively speaking. And, and Paul, I think you're right. I think this was always a concern to some degree. So even, even early on when they had cops in there, the cops I were agree. not the good guys. Yeah. They were I, no better than the crime bosses. True. I totally agree. I think it's something that was always interested uh, pal, it seems it's just more on the surface right now. I think right? it's more complicated Cause, cause now. A lot of structure has been removed, and you're, yeah. and you're starting to evaluate. Well, what's really going on here? And, and it's done, I think, better here, right? I think there's yeah, it's definitely well, it's definitely more clear now. But everything is pretty much gone. Norton's is leveled. 
Right. right? Well, rebuilt. Lonely Street is pretty much empty. Well, it is rebuilt. Is it yeah. rebuilt in this first episode? I don't know if that I think comes it, later. Or... Um, yeah, I think we see it rebuilt in here, we, right? We saw, right? We saw it being rebuilt. But pretty it, much you know, everything is obliterated. I will say, like, I, I should say, we skipped a week in recording, and I haven't read this in a while. So uh, <laughs> I, I know, you got to do a little catching up. I'm <laughs> so with you on that too. I, I, I need to catch up a little that bit. That was my fault. No, that's there's, fine. <laughs> but but pretty much everything's been obliterated, right? I mean, Lonely Street, He walks. somebody walks down, there's no zombies on Lonely Street, right? Right. And it's just everything is upended. So you have to. Lonely Street was defined by zombies. Right. Now there's so no you zombies. You have to examine everything because not, it's it's like he says here, you know, backwards and fouled up. Everything is kind of upside down. Right. Well, doesn't all really begin with the appearance of Willie Nagel? He's he's the. It's good, right? Yeah. He's the sign, right? The Bodlerks are kind of the Bodlerks. They follow power. Whoever's like the you know the heaviest hand that they're going to follow. But Willie Nagel shows up and he's a zombie of a different kind, and that's what I think. He likes hanging out, with right? Them. <laughs> but we never had that before. And suddenly, like, and everyone just seems to naturally accept him. Like, oh, okay, he's a you know. Is that is it in here or was it last week we talked about where there's an he gives an explanation he ba- like uh, Goon, he does, no he does in here. Here. he's yeah. in here and he says he had a lot of personality right. when he was alive and oh right right he's a lot living. of people get brains get soft so they right. just have nothing when they're dead but he just it's happened really to existential of Willie yeah, to kind of just say like this right. this is how you are and right? he thought about it he said right. like why am I like this as a zombie well because I was like this in life you know he's making the point about humanity right and I think right. all the great zombie movies and literature. Do, do this, right? The idea is, like, the zombies aren't really the enemy. The living man is the enemy. Or, you know, like, that's... And you actually had that, dead, I think, in, in Day of the Dead, didn't... Wasn't there a, a zombie that they had kind of tamed somewhat? Yeah, and, uh, right, right. You yeah. know, I, I, was, I don't think he spoke or anything, but... Yeah. You could do something with this guy. He wasn't just, you know, out just to eat them constantly. They right. somehow connected with him. Well, the, the implication here is, like, most of these assholes run around Lonely Street. I mean, the people, or the people in this town that the goon is protecting don't shouldn't be protected that they're right. they're zombies in their own right they're these these problems you know it's just that they're dead you know when they're dead it gives them more of a of a i guess a right or opportunity to just be these kind of craven savages in a sense willie was a good man he was a good man so he's different you know yeah. um that kind there's of there's not more of like him though. That's a sad thing. No, no? we have one Willie. That's, That's it. Thing. We have one. Yeah, and it's it's not that this is an extraordinary event given the logic of the goon. It's that there's just not good people around to fill this spot. You know, the the original zombies were from the mafia figures that mm-hmm. the goon replaced. Right, right. And we made the point that oh, there's not much different. I think this is Pell picking up on that idea and doing something more, as George says, existential with it. But can't we say that of everyone that associates himself with the goon? They're kind of exceptional in some way. That's what he seems to draw to himself. The exception, not the norm. Those who want to help him. Those who want to work with him. I mean, Frankie's certainly a different kind of guy. <laughs> Frankie. Right? There's something very yeah. exceptional about him. All of his people are kind of outsiders and, you know. Spider, Boggler. Right. Yeah. Just... Uh, who was the half-wolf man? Uh, Merle. Oh, uh, Merle. Yeah, Merle. Right? <laughs> They're all really interesting folks, right? Yeah. This is what he does. He finds these people. <laughs> yeah. Well, they find him, right? One way or the other. He's kind of a magnet for them. Yeah. I, I wonder about Frankie, though. I mean, Frankie is clearly a sociopath, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Frankie, uh, Stab you in the eye. Not much to redeem him. Well, the, the haberdasher in this first story. I know. Right? It is Dingle Piper. Oh, we don't know we don't find like, out. why we the haberdasher is being... Got a guy trust up who eventually you know gets killed, although may come back. Well, I do love the fact that Frankie still, after all this time and all he's been through with the goon, insists that there's some things that like, no, no, that's my business. Right? Yeah, I can't tell you about that. That's not for you to know. It's my business. Yeah, there's something yeah. noble about that. Yeah. <laughs> he maintains a lot of privacy. <laughs> it's a strange way to put it, but okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. 
know of it. You don't need to know about that. So the other thing is the new enemy, you know, these um, these little creatures, right. right, that can shapeshift. And I think, or I guess form different shapes. The goon even comments that he doesn't understand them in here, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm, I'm facing moment right. to moment. Right. And I think, I think that is maybe a metaphor for kind of modern warfare. The ever-shifting enemy, right? right? I mean, he takes on new forms. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I don't think these are crazy assertions, right? I mean, um, there there is a sense of of the goon in a world that is he's having a kind of kind of modernist crisis, right? right. The world's moving faster than he can adjust. Right. That, that's the street we find him in at the beginning. Is it, the rules are changing faster yeah. than he can adjust, right? What are the new rules? And there are no new rules. They're just a change in rules, and he doesn't know what they are, right? Mm-hmm. The boundaries are changing as he's playing the game. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, um, yeah, what else in this first um, thing is interesting? I think I might have covered up. The monkey oh. with two broken jars tied to its hand is interesting <laughs> just because it's so bizarre. Yeah, there's some weird, brutal things in yeah, here. Yeah, there's some real cruelty. Um, yeah, I don't know what to make of that thing. I just don't know what kind to make of it either, sadism, but. but I mean, it's always it's always interesting. I will say that there is something to be said about right the death of of Goon's car. Like clearly, you know, that car is yeah. connected to a lot of great moments in the comic. I I think that's an excuse just to get the new car. Yeah, the new car, the shiny Absolutely. new car. It's time for something right. different. Powell wanted to draw something different. It's, right, a, so. it's a forty-seven Buick Roadmaster, right? Right, and according, it's gorgeous. According to I think it's the um, the introduction, right? Yeah, that Joe, Joe Hill that? talks about that. Yeah, who is Joe Hill? Do you know? Do you know who he is? He's Stephen King's son. Shut up! What are you and talking about? And he uh, published under the name Joe Hill so that he wouldn't uh, ride his father's coattails. I don't know anything about this. I read two of his books, actually. Uh, a short story collection, which was quite good, called 20th Century Ghosts. Really? And then a novel called Heart Shaped Box, which was just kind of your typical horror, horror novel. But uh, he's a talented writer. Really? Good for Joe Hill. Yeah. Well done, huh. sir. Very good. And thank you, Paul. Um, wow. I didn't have to look that Check up. Right. I, knew, I knew that oh, without well, Google or anything. I, right. I knew that. Shout out for Paul. Um, I, I one um, one thing I thought was interesting, um, kind of going with some of the things we talked about. I'm 14. It's also the Willie Nagel thing, where the word slackjaw becomes like a racial epithet. Yeah. Right. right? Frankie says. Well, here's the thing. Yeah. I think Willie's a culture of one. I think, like, you can't say his whole culture is offended by it. The zombies don't even know <laughs> right. to be offended by no the term slackjaw. Right. So it's really... But, well, all right. So, I mean, Frankie says, it don't concern you, slackjaw. Now, I didn't see no call to go making racial slurs, right? That's right. the joke. And I think we're probably going to think that that is, you know, tongue-in-cheek. But given some of the language in this specific edition, I think there's more to explore, Right. Um, right. What the, the word faggot shows up in here? Yeah. Right. There it's were a couple right. things I wrote down. Um, not in this one particularly. It's somewhere. Th- things that I thought were like, like, like. There was some pretty harsh weird stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You know, harsher than normal. Um, yeah, that's in chapter four. There's like one or two other things. You know, things that I think are now considered, you know, slurs. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so, I'm not sure if in this first one here that that exchange is kind of making excuses for that harshness you know later i mean by the time this is being published right where what are we in like 2008 9 by the time these are going down i think 2009 um i mean 
the word faggot is not an acceptable word. Turn to 2009 is its original publication. Yeah, date. you know what I mean? It's not like we have the excuse of, ah, 20 years ago at this No, point. no, that is, we know what that word means now. Yeah, and I'm also not suggesting that pal is, you know, therefore wrong for using it, or, you know, it's not, I'm not taking that kind of PC knee-jerk route either. I think he knows what he's doing. I think there, there's some kind of, like, meta play with mm-hmm. a, using a word like that. And because of, you know, the pointing out of Slackjaw, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's something that these words are arbitrary and, you know, need context to really make sense. I'm not really sure, but whatever. Um, what do you got there? Your phone? I turned it down. I didn't get any noises. <laughs> Mind yeah. if it's on. Um, I, I think uh, overall the, the artistry continues to be gorgeous. He still does change from one story to the next. You get very different kinds of coloration and palette, which is... A little bit. But I think... Not the, a whole lot. I, mean, I think the, the only thing that jumps out is Frankie's dream. I mean, uh, yeah, that's you, you definitely get more reds in, in the second story and stuff with the harpies. I think that was consistent with the I earlier versions right. of yeah. them. He likes those harpies to be very silky. But it's all palette. consistently high level. You know, those mm-hmm. first... Yeah, I keep going back to this, but those first couple of stories had this kind of like old school DC thing mixed with the kind of, um, you know, multi-dimensional shading that's way more sophisticated. Mm-hmm. I think we're always elevated from this point on. I don't even know that it has to be said anymore. This is right. This is simply his standard now. Yeah. Um, you know, again, on page 20 and 21, he's not really interested in drawing the whole fight sequences right. anymore. It's just, you know, boom, you get the full page. You Actually, know, you well, know what are you going to show that's... You know? But he loved drawing that out in like multiple pages. But actually, he's over. kind of become this is like his new style to simply take one bold picture on a page. Right. And, and that you tells you everything of, you need to know. Right, you, don't, you don't need four pages for that. Make it what you will. The The end of this first story is um, is pretty rough, I think. You know, and, and I think speaks directly to our sympathies with Zombie Priest on 26. You know, you have the, um, the little zombies lurking around. Then Kat says, Master has gone quite mad. He has, you know. And then you see him in this kind of like freaked out state, you know. Now, I'm not forgetting that Zombie Priest is one of the most evil things. He's a bastard. He's an absolute bastard, right? But, I mean, if you look at the eye, you know what I mean? You look at what he's looking at in that cauldron and Mm -hmm. what's coming. It's, uh, you can't help but feel a little sympathy there. Yeah. And I can't explain why I, I want to feel empathy for him. I don't. And I yet, really don't. I, I think it's kind of a natural, like you said, it's a natural consequence. What do you think is going to happen? You know. But there's that moment later on, and I, you know, to skip you know, where, where he appears in the window, and I won't say more about it now because mm-hmm. it has this natural place when you see the consequences that have occurred to him. And you, it's almost like you feel like, wow, no one should endure that. Like he just, it's terrible the suffering is going to go Oh my God, now. yeah. You know? Yeah, we'll go, talk about it now. You're talking about the very beginning of... Chapter four, I think. I, it is, I think right, right with the uh, what's he called? What's he called? His children that follow him. Yeah, when he's he's, um, yeah, it's the beginning of chapter four where he's basically being tortured, right, by the guy we don't know. The guy we know, the other priest, we'll simply call who him. actually looks like no, he's being well. The other priest is there. He's kind of orchestrating it, but he's being beat up by the guy we see from the back, who turns out to be a Gabrazio, right? That we get, I think, in the last chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, but he looks like the goon, which right. makes yeah, sense, yeah, absolutely. because the goon kind of fashions himself after Labrazio, so that would make sense, but, um, I don't get too far into that now, but those images of the, the, 
DIing of right, the DIing, zombie right. priest, but the, hanging him right. up and beating him. That to me wasn't even the most tragic it's one. Merciless. It's merciless. Mm-hmm. I go all the way up to page 106. Oh, yeah. Oh, we're right. Right? Yeah. And on page 106, so you have the, the kids are hanging around the, the lair, right? F- trying to find out what's going on. So oh, right. Recon, yeah, yeah. right. And the one looks in the window, and there's the, the haunting zombie priest in the window. Now both eyes gone. And he's, yeah. he's broken. He's yeah. absolutely broken. He's the shell of a human being. There's something really eerie and creepy about that. That, But even he's, he's just floundering right, around. And powerless. Yeah. He has nothing anymore. If you go back to page 78, he, is, he doesn't even look like a priest. He's just like a regular guy. Right. Where he's been stripped of everything but that is... Don't forget, he was doing all this to Buzzard. I mean, absolutely. Literally torturing absolutely. and he hanging He got what Buzzard. was coming to him. Right, absolutely. But th- this is more, you know, just the mercurial nature of life, you know? Things change on a dime, and, you know, and I don't think it's wrong of us to feel that natural sympathy. I think that's part of it, you know? But isn't that a trick that Powell's doing here? How do I take right. the, the most evil thing and make somebody feel for it, right? This is very Hitchcockian. I was explaining to a, a friend upon, you know, I was telling him, listen, he needs to read uh, Game of Thrones, and, and <laughs> you, you have not followed the series, right, Paul? Oh, I watched the whole you series. The whole I series, never, right? I didn't read right. a... No, I, I've read the books, and I watched, watched the series to a point, but there's that moment where... Instead of Jamie Lannister being the absolute bastard he is in the early book, you he, you're, you're rooting for him. You love Jamie Lannister. And I was yeah. that was clever. Like, how do they do that? How do they take a guy who you loathed, who did despicable things? Well, didn't he do that with Reek? I mean, uh, right. right? That guy was sure, a real sure. asshole. Right. Uh, and you feel bad for him, right? And then he <laughs> broke him down to right. absolutely nothing. And then you're kind of rooting for him you're to come right. back because right. there's somebody worse uh, right. Right. torturing him. And, and that's, you know, it takes talent to do that. Because right. it means that you invested in the characters and you're willing to, to take the adventure with those characters. Yes. And Zombie Priest, man, he's just, oof, I don't know. At least, I guess, with Buzzard. Like, we knew Buzzard. He was a noble man and onto the path of good. So we always, you know... With Zombie Priest, he was a pathetic man. So when he loses all hope, it's complete despair. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's go into Chapter 2 here. I don't know if this has a proper name, but this is basically our... Um, Return of the... the the Harpies? The Harpies, yeah. And it's interesting, right? That first story is called definitively The Return. I guess I guess the the one of the major connecting themes through all of this is there's a lot of returns, right? Right, right. Yeah, yeah pretty right. much. Everybody comes back. Which again, a, a a fairly common comic book tool, right? Take old villains and bring them back. Yeah. Reboot them. Right. Right. Um, which is, you know, reestablishing a new But I would have to say too one of the, the greater arcs in the book is that it's not just that villains are returning. But the town they live in, which right, which never gets a name, simply right. Yeah, I don't think so. The city or yeah. something like that. You get the sense that it's becoming the focal point of so many evils. Everyone is looking mm-hmm. toward it, approaching it. The larger world has recognized that there's something going on here. Whereas I feel like in the early stories, it was kind of isolated and insular. It's not True. anymore, right? Well, that other priest, I mean, says that right. He right. says right. there's some, everything dark is uh, being it's drawn descending here. here, right? It's yeah. coming yeah, here. He, he seems to have some kind of reason for that. I mean, I, I think of like. Um, you know, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer or something, which isn't something I know very well, but right, the the idea is that that's like a Hellgate. So that's right. right. It's not yeah. a coincidence that everything weird is happening in this place. It's because there is a kind of concentrated evil here, right. and that that makes a lot of sense. You know, in terms of storytelling, I think that's that's pretty good. And I always like the idea of you know new knowledge coming that we didn't know before that's going to explain I things. Love Pal loves right. that, right? right? Um, by the way, apologies for my voice. I'm getting over a cold, so I'm a little craggy. Sound good though. Do I sound sultry? I was hoping yeah, to go like, a little like raspy, sexy. a little Barry yeah. White. Yep, a little Barry White. Well, I'll take it. 
Um, all right, this this so, is Ralph. We'll talk about, well, I'm disgusted right, by yeah, Ralph. You have Absolutely some, disgusted by Ralph. So this isn't the first time he's done something like this, right? right. Introduce like a character that is only used to be a kind of dolt. Right. right, so that we can somebody to disavow and something terrible can happen to him, and we can, I guess, laugh at. But I, I got to tell you, the first couple of pages of this are really confused me and disturbing. Right? Mm-hmm. So, what do you make of it? I mean, with the ham guy, right? Who we've seen before. We've seen before, uh, right? With Return of Ham Man. Um, there's some weird kind of, um, I don't know, misogyny kind of underlying this, or. Comment on misogyny. I'm not really sure. Um, I don't know. I don't know, like, why we need that. I guess it's all just to introduce the idea that there's a new evil that's lurking, which are the harpies, right? But I'm not sure. It's pretty. Um, it's pretty cynical. I can't help you. Yeah. I don't know I what don't to know. make of it. I don't know. It's. it's it, Maybe even not because no one present in the room is a misogynist. Maybe that's why we always struggle We're to, all to kind make of, sense. Yeah, we of, can't really connect with that. <laughs> right, you know? right. Yeah, this is, this is always a struggle for us because this is right, not who we are. So, yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know that there's too much to say about this. I mean, I think having the harpies show up here is is a little bit of a cheat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I think I understand Paul's uh, idea. You want the kind of rules presented to you to be constant in a way, but you know, to, they're really cool characters that I also want to see again. Their reappearance though, in some ways helps out Wicker Man later in the, the right yeah. there, when he doesn't, he even says, I don't know why, right? Like he doesn't know why he's back either. Mm-hmm. This thing, yeah. it's almost like evil is like just waking up again or mm-hmm. taking on new rules. It's, you know, again, it's this idea of like, you know, we think we know what the rules are for this world, but they just keep changing. So I haven't, th- I haven't really thought this through or anything. This is just coming to me now. But could it be because the the new zombie priest is back? In other words, his right. his reappearance is maybe generating this new kind of evil. That right. might be very well explained in the next book. I don't right, remember right. well enough. I haven't read it yet, so I, I like to take it yeah. fresh as I go. But that's interesting. There's some there might maybe a logic behind it that we're not privy to yet. Huh? I don't know. Um, more sadism with uh, our magician friend that is just kind of suffering. He's um, he's like uh, the mythological Sybil, right? He seems to be granted um, granted eternal life, but not eternal youth, and just kind of withers and suffers. Right. You know that kind of figure, which is maybe the most disturbing kind of torture. Right. Begging for death, it hurts. Yeah. It kills me. He says yeah, on page forty-four, right? He doesn't want this anymore. I do love the joke. You know, he's explaining how the. Um, the ruby with glue. Okay. With glue. <laughs> right? like, you, like it, it's bad enough that like the thing's back together, but but glue it's so simple and how, how disheartening. Right. Uh, <laughs> but um, I think. But even Frankie says in the next passage, hmm, you think magic would be a little more difficult than that? Right? <laughs> well, even it, even right? Frankie, right? As simple yeah. as Frankie can, can I, sort of reason this I out. I really love all that. I think that's great. Right. You know. Um, I think the fight sequence that comes next, though, to speak to Paul's point before, the 46, 47 into um, 48, 
is all really cool, you Good know, with scenes, right? you know fighting the harpies and being dragged up and the rope and all yeah, that. Yeah, this is very well done. You, you get a sense of you know movement through it rather than just beginning and end. Yeah, yeah, I think that's um, that's all pretty. And cool. maybe to Paul's point, maybe he has less story to tell in this issue, so he has to give you more fight scene. And when sure. he has more story to tell, he gives you less fight scene, mm. right? Yeah, because he has to. Where do I put my focus, right? You're, with any comic book, right? Because we're reading them in graphic novel form, but you only have a a book of so many pages. It's your publisher's only going to give you so much money. You got to tell your story how you need to tell it. Yeah. Um, given, I mean, this no more, story. No more Chinatown. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I know, and that's you know one of the problems is having a masterpiece like Chinatown is now everything has to be compared to it, right, and right. it's not gonna you know this not is certainly about. not nearly as good as Chinatown, but I, I still think it's better than most of the early stuff, you know. A um, couple more things I noticed real quick when when they go into the burlesque place, I love the um, that picture on thirty eight of the goon looking over. You know, the the patrons just staring zombie-like. Staring zombie-like, again, right, you know, this idea. Right, and so you're getting it from the other end now. You know, this more more bolstering of this idea that humanity mm. is is yeah. is to blame for, you know, the shittiness of right. the world. And, and even the way he presents the women on page 39, this is very... Um, Robert Palmer did the Addicted to Love video <laughs> yeah. right back in the 80s. Right? The women are almost nondescript. They're simply yeah. bodies. Right? You can't see the face. Right. Forget about the face. Forget about yeah, it. The the right. They're simply objects of sex. Let's appreciate them as objects of sex. Or let me present them to you that way. So th- that's why I'm I'm tending towards, and maybe I'm just trying to apologize for Powell a little bit, but I, I believe this, that this is more a comment on misogyny right. than it comment is actually misogyny. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. I don't think so. You know, I don't think we're supposed to be titillated by this. We're supposed to be seeing what the men see, right? Isn't that the point of view that between 38 and 39, right. right? From their point of view, all they're seeing is the breast and, you know, the, the skimpy clothing. They're not seeing the face or personality. I, I think that's right. Yes. You know? Um, now, when we turn the page on 40, Frankie and the goon can see something different because right. they understand the reality right. of it. But these men are, you know, might as well be zombies kind of, you know, titillated in that room. I think that's it. And, you know, this is also the chapter that houses the... Gilda and all of that, you know, this is, we could argue maybe that Frankie has this turn of heart and seeks out Gilda right. at the end because he's understanding some of the, the superficialness kind of, of it all, the right? superficialness mm-hmm. of the male world, maybe, you know, By the way, let's not overlook from page 41 to 42, the little prank that Goon plays upon Frankie. Oh yeah. yeah. Right? There's actually like a clever little joke in there. That's, that's not really obvious at first, right? Where he basically... Sort of strings him out over the course of the night just to see him have a hard time. Right. But there's something kind of sadistic about that, knowing your friend so well that mm. you can sort of play this gag upon him. And then, you know, the big reveal. And, <laughs> right? Frankie's response. Yeah, it's a little fun. Vile. <laughs> 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 he knows he's been had, right? He's got a... Yeah. You know, it was pretty good, actually. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of disparate parts in this chapter. Um, you know, I don't know that the story is all that cohesive, but, you know, I think it's all pretty good here. Um... You know, uh, we see, I, I like the little shot of, you know, the new priest. I don't know what his name is, right? They, they never, I think, give him a name other than, like, the new priest. They Well, well, zombie priest that we know just addresses him as priest, and he gets addressed back right. as priest. Mm-hmm. I think he is named eventually. Okay. I just don't remember it, but... Um, I do enjoy the fact a little that foreshadowing. he looks nothing like zombie priest. Yeah, right. Although he right. refers to... Right. Right. He's, he's, later this guy is biblical. Right. He yeah. refers to an order. Right? right, I think that's how he describes it. So, Another of our order. Yeah, but but they 
completely distinct entities from each other. So not to reveal too much, but we are going to see that order in full bloom okay, a excellent. little later. I hope so. Yeah. I would be disappointed if we did. Of course, right? right? Of course. I mean, this, you know, this is all setting that up. You get a grand you sense it, you of setup. You got to see this coming, yeah. Yeah, I think that's and, right. And then each one has their own like little homunculus or creature, right? right that serves mm-hmm. them in their own way. And those creatures talk to each other and kind of empathize, what is your master up to? Oh, right. my master, right? Wonderful. <laughs> yeah, right? I, I like that. A little culture unto itself. Yeah. So that brings us into chapter three, which sets him up, you know, we get him in some kind of Middle Eastern setting and then next in Lonely Street, <laughs> right? So there's something so strange about this little homunculus's right, face. With his two noses and his slanted it's eyes. It's so disturbing, right? It's like one face is superimposed on another, another face. Right. And it shouldn't be there. It's just off. Yeah. yeah. There's something, I, Goon, uh, um, Palda's eyes so well. Right? There's a couple places where you get a creature with multiple eyes or mm-hmm. eyes askew. And it really is like shocking, like how strange it is mm-hmm. and how off putting it is. Well, it's one of always the great things about when he does use Legarto, that, you know, he has like these crazy eyes. And it feels like that. These are crazy eyes. And so it sells you all the time. Yeah. So. What are you making the Frankie dream? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> it's weird, right? So I, lo- so I love the joke structure of this, right? We get this, you know. This dark vision of these priests. Hello, priests. Hello, priests. And what's going to happen? I, I almost wish you turned the page and saw this. You know, <laughs> rather than yeah, right, right. The very opening. next page. That's right. true. It distracts you. Those colors get yeah. you right away. So it's 54 to 55. If you turn the page and saw 55, it would be so much more But <laughs> There'd be a cool. joke there for you. Right. Yeah. But whatever. Um, I love. So now we're going to in this fantasy land, which is a funny gag in its own right. But then the other reveal that it's based on reality, you know, it it seems to be a dream, right? But but the horse is there. But the horse really existed. And later on, he talks about it, right, as like a real thing that happened, right? I'm, I'm right on that, right? Right. Um, yeah, I think that's 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 a pretty good setup and and you know punchline uh, overall. But I don't know. I was trying to make sense of like. Is like you know Frankie a brony or something? Is that right, what I'm supposed right. to get yeah. Because this is clearly like a My Little Pony thing. Right? Kind of I, reference. I right? don't know enough about it to <laughs> speak with any kind of authority, but um, sounds you know, like but, you know quite a bit about it. But what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so here's the problem though with fifty four, fifty five. When you turn the page and you get the Mr. horse's Bear. head, that's actually maybe more effective more, right, exactly. as sure, a reveal. Right. As its entrails are all ripped out. Yeah, which is horrifying. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I don't really know what to make of that, but, but yeah, when we see the actual dead horse's head there and you're like, oh, like there really was a horse, something, something you know, right. yeah, I, I like that kind of, um, play. Oh, this has the other offensive word, which is tranny, right? Um, when we get to the, the goon says it multiple times, right? Mm-hmm. I'm fighting the tranny. Now, you know, I, I get that, um trans identity and stuff is very new as a kind of what like talking point of identity right i mean it's really only been two or three years i would say that this predates that national discussion i would yes yeah the lgbtq discussion that absolutely we've been having. absolutely. Right? i don't think that maybe excuses I, I think i've always known that that is something that is derogatory you know um See, I take this, and, and you see when we see the image on page sixty, it's humorous to see this oversized man, right? Well, yeah, like, dressed this way, it's yeah. something ridiculous about it. I don't know that we need to call 
him a tranny in order to right. make a joke. It seems a little cheap. I, again, I don't want to be like the language police, yeah, you know, or not, anything like that. I mean, but I think it's worth mentioning, you know. And he's transvestite, not transsexual. Right, right. Yeah. He has not. I, I can't speak to his. Uh, it's in the same vein as uh, Dr. Frankenfooter or something like that, guy, Rocky yeah. Horror Picture Show, yeah. right? I mean, I always feel like Powell is, you know, of that camp that is maybe thrumming his nose at PC ethos. Uh, you know, the same way that, like, the South Park guys do. You right, know? Right. We're going to say what we want to say because it's funny. Right. Um, that, you know, I, I don't get the sense that he is hateful in any way. You know, this is, it's always more kind of social commentary than it is true hate speech, I think. I don't know. Maybe I'm making too yeah, much. You, you put a little too Am much I? in this. I mean, it's just. Uh, Trying to be responsible. I think it's something he wanted to draw, and he, you know, he this, it, this right? character here. So clearly... maybe, maybe, but once you throw the name out, I think it does something else. Well, you know, what do you make of the Gregory Peck? Well, yeah, I, uh, I to have, kill a mockingbird right? character. It's exactly, I was actually, you know, Atticus <laughs> Fish. It weirded me out <laughs> that he, he appears here. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, we've seen that before, right? We've seen Bob Dylan show up. That's true. That's true. I mean, we have seen a couple of times. Um, he just kind of goes and shoots and leaves, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, so, so I was thinking about this. So what is Atticus Finch, right? He is the ultimate kind of symbol of wholesome fatherhood, right? Of right mindedness, right? He's the only person in that town that stands up. by humanity uh, in the face of chaos, right? right? Like how do we establish some law and order in the, in the face of like. But but no, but Problem. even in terms of racial identity, right? He yes. stands up yes. for. I can't think of the guy's name. I haven't read or seen that in uh, years. Bradley? Boo. No, Bradley's no, no, the other guy. Yeah, I can't remember. Jim, something Jim, Jim. I can't remember. But anyway, um, he stands up for the disenfranchised, you know, against the will of the town, and and we're supposed to see him as as the noble superhero of that story, right? Um, it's interesting, he it's interesting he's a pot shot shooting. at the transvestite. Right. But he even says, he's ineffective. you know, I don't shoot transvestites anymore. Right? Yeah. Like, there's a joke. Like, he's just, you know, he's teasing us with this yeah, character. No, and that's why I'm saying. surreal uh, stuff. That's I don't like. know that I got the answer to what Pal's trying to do, but it's certainly something about kind of our PC ethos. The ideas of, like, you know, what was once wholesome is corrupted now. Right. I don't know. I'm not it's really sure. It's possible that what... Powell's doing is simply saying, let me show you something or st- tell you a story it's never been told before and likely never to be told again. Let me yeah. just have some fun with complete ridiculousness. Yeah. Because that's enjoyable too. It is too. ridiculous. Um, I mean, it, it is a weird chapter structure. Just like Satan's Sodomy Baby, which we'll come to at a later time. Oh, yeah, we'll get to that at some other time. <laughs> um, I don't know if I can handle that right now. The, um, I mean, there's two different stories that are going on here, right? One is the goon can't take care of the business he needs to take care of right. because of these other distractions, right? The, the life is getting in the way of him really fixing the problems of the world, right? Mm. And then you have, in the background, the, re- the real problems of the world bubbling up, you know? Um, really, really kind of formulating in this kind of, um, I don't know, like, like structured way. And you can see... You're right. I, I like the juxtaposition of these two stories, one frivolous and silly, but meaningful thematically because right. of the juxtaposition of the, the darker essence around it, you know? And the other very serious, but it's going to have very serious implications, but we don't even see it going on. It's below the yeah. surface. Yeah. And uh, 65 is um, 
Well, you were talking about the two guys just kind of talking about their their masters and gossiping. Right. I, that is kind of brilliant. I also like that they don't even have names. They're simply yeah. cat and monkey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? There's something charming about that. So, I, I'm sorry. I want to go back to what I just said. Yes, I, go ahead. So, it, it's like Game of Thrones, right? I always thought that um, Game of Thrones had this exactly right. While everybody is fighting for the Iron Throne, is that right, what yes, I'm, not, throne. A, I'm not a huge right. on this. There's really a bigger story going on. I've right? only read the first book, but right, everyone's everyone's backbiting and trying to get. But the real problem is beyond the wall, and nobody can see it. Right? I always thought that was like an interesting metaphor for yes. something like um, today's culture and environmentalism. Right? right? That we are all just like you know playing this football game of politics. You know, like we're taking sides and goofing. Around. The real problem is that. We're all kind of fucked, and we need to get together and solve the major problem, which is environmental collapse, which is down the road, or not even to be that as grandiose, the seas being depleted, or you know whatever you know the big tragedy of the commons out there. Right. Is. How about always little bullshit to, to right. waste right. your life over? So overpopulation of the world. Sure, and how are we yeah. going to feed all these people? It's that never continue? brought up. It's never. I never right? hear anything about that. The world that's is expanding constantly. We never discuss it. And how do you continue to feed these people? So I think that's what Martin is doing in Game of Thrones. Right. right. It's a right. it's a metaphor right. for that kind of thing. Well. We all backbite. The world's about to right. collapse, and, and we're not even ready to understand the implications. Because the truth is, you know, who sits on the Iron Throne? It's petty in comparison to the larger right. scheme, and that's what Martin's talking about, right. which is we see that in other stories as well, right? But isn't that kind of what Powell's doing here? Yes. I mean, on a much smaller level, but while the goon has to fight this menace in the middle of the street, this, silly this bullshit, right. e- real evil much, is, yeah. is yeah. lurking and organizing, and... He can't even get to the point where he doesn't he even know that the evil is out there, there right? I he know. just thinks I've yeah, been a priest, thing, but right. not any any awareness of the scope of it. Yeah, it's it's really good storytelling, I think. Um, a couple other things. Sixty-seven, I think, is amazing when he makes the zombie priest hat come alive and speak to him. Yes, <laughs> and if I if. If I recall correctly, I think we get that story a little later, but I'm not... It's alluded to, but it hasn't been yeah. completely divulged like why he's wearing a human face upon his hat. I think we get it, right? But he says, basically, you're wearing like a trophy yeah. or something like this. Right. Um, but when it moves and you... Re- like, he's freaked out. Right? That middle panel on 67 is horrifying. And I like the idea they're both making the same mouth movement. <laughs> right. You know, they, uh, same facial expressions, right. Right? I mean... You're really getting a sense of some kind of strange come up in here mm. or something. Um, that's pretty cool. And the other really great thing in this chapter, if I'm skipping around too much that's to right. yell, is the again the um, the Willie Nagel stuff at the end, where his words are being spoken over the anguish of zombie priests, right? And this is where we get, you know, this we Paul talked about it before, right? Um, Willie Nagel as explaining why he's, why he's, um, I don't know, good. Why he's somebody that right. is worth hanging out with right, right. because he's a good person. That juxtaposed against this anguish, I think it's very smart, mm-hmm. right? So what we have is, you know, the, the new zombie priest taking the eye of the, you know, the zombie priest right. we know. By the way, just interesting play on the concept, the old biblical phrase of an eye for an eye. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. The zombie priest had to give an eye for the forbidden power right. that he called upon. So now he has to lose his other eye, yeah. right, as payment for that. You know, a yeah. terrible price to pay. Complete Absolutely. blindness, right? We take all from you. Absolutely. I love 74, right? As we see that and look at that face, his face is, oh, it's incredible Absolutely. anguish. 
I reckon when you're brought back from the dead, depends on what kind of person you was Mm -hmm. as to what kind of thing you'll be. Right. And that's him, right? So in a weird way, we're seeing his, we're seeing that expressed, you know? Um, Yeah. Yeah. And, And I think it might refer to both. It refers to both zombie priests in a certain way, you know, although it's strange because it seems that they don't die. They're not dead in the same way that the zombies are dead or something like that. I don't know that that matters all that much. I think Mm -hmm. the sentiment transfers, you know, well, but, um, but yeah, just, just really smart. I think that might be my favorite of all the stories in this book three, you know, because, um, it seems the most self-contained. The next one here, mm-hmm. you're saying the Mama Norton story. Uh, no, no, I, I, the, the one we just read, the, oh, the one just, chapter okay. three. Yeah, I think the other ones are good too. I think. Oh I think no. this ends far better than right. it begins. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you really? I, I really enjoyed. Uh, let me skip ahead here. I gotta look, uh, look ahead, because the, the big reveal that uh, Norton basically pulls, he decides to go where we never expected him to go before. Oh, I like that too. That I was, think that's fine. Yeah, I was shocking moment. I yeah. was actually I didn't see it coming, and I was taken aback by it. Yeah. Like you know, his he's marriage gonna, was like, oh, hit. What? really yeah. to her? But, <laughs> but going with the same the same um, you know thematic ideas we were just talking about, uh, you know, you have to pay a price. You have to, to get pay a price exactly. Yeah. You know, there is no free lunch. Yeah, right. No free lunch. So he's gonna hook up with her, his sworn enemy, right. because and I love my that husband's line. enemy are my enemies. Right? right. She breaks that line. Right. Mm-hmm. I love that line where Goon's like. Her? her? He's like, and he's like, yeah, look, you don't understand, man. This is bigger than you. Right. you How know? things work, right? right. Again, this, this revelation, there might be rules that you don't even know about. Exactly. And we have to follow these rules. These yeah. are important rules to us. All right. So chapter four starts out with that scene we already looked at. You know, the... Um, the loss of eye. Yeah, the loss of eye. It's hard By the way, but the bottom of 77, wonderful little, like, the, the last square where you have the... Um, Oh, yeah. The mother zombie, right? I guess yeah. we'll call her. And all her little creatures hanging on to her. Like, she's finally the mother. And they're all like, you know, they, they're witnessing something horrible, but like she has her children about her. It's yeah. just something really disturbing about it's, that. It looks like she's comforting them. Right. And they're, like, they're monsters right. needing to be comforted from this new evil. And Because and, it's so wicked. Yeah. It's so vile. Even they don't want to, to well, be part of it. And there's something, I didn't, I'm just thinking about this now, this is probably half-baked, but in a sense, isn't, aren't they really seeing their father be... Destroyed, Correct. right? Yes, he is. I mean, he's right. not literally, but right. he is the creator of them yes. through his magic. Yes. Um, you know, there, there's there's some real pathos in that, I think. Look, it's a hat. <laughs> the old joke, right? God. Oh. That might be the most disturbing thing we've ever really so far. That's good. That joke. That was good for it. Um, so. I love the fact that we don't yeah. ever get to see the face of this this villain. Right. This, 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 it's Labrazio. Is that right? Is that. Well, yeah, man. Um. Absolutely, you talk about the hair. So when we get in chapter five, when the goon sees him driving the, the car, by. right? Oh, right, 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 right. That, okay. Yeah, it all comes together. I think it, it, it's very subtle. You could easily miss it. But Labrazio goes to the grave, and the body's still in there. So what um, is this? No, a body's still in there, right? But a body with a big hole in it. I think it's. I think that is. Oh, because he says Labrazio with a question on. mark. We're, yeah, you're we're right. You're right. Okay. Yeah. No, there's more to be told there. Um, I missed that point then. I, that was that's a very subtle point, and it kind of blew past me. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's what's happening here, and you know, I do think it's interesting that um, he. Yeah, I, I just made the point right. He looks like the goon, and you know, this is kind of uh, a doppelganger, right? right? So you know, who has been the big villain that the goon is looking for? Well, it's Labrazio, but it's also a sense of himself, right? Isn't that what we're kind of working right, for? Right. Right, you know your your greatest enemy, 
looks more like you than not. Well, you look like your greatest enemy, right? Right. Um, Where did we see that? Where was that image of, of Labrazio in the car? That happened in the early... That was this no, issue? It's, it's coming up. It's coming up, right? Okay. Is, it, is it the end of... I just passed it. It's yeah. like... Uh, oh, there it is. Okay, I see it on page 80, 85. Now this, this oh, yeah. actually, Now that you said that, it makes more sense with regard to when the, um, the gypsy woman looks into the bowl and that creature... Right. Lashes back out at Labrazio right. again. Like Labrazio right. has taken on, right? And, and listen, this of course, right, plays into what Willie Nagel just said, right? What you make in life is how you're represented in death or when you return, right? Exactly. Labrazio was a man who, he wasn't out for anyone's good other than, right, he was the, the black hand. That's what he yeah. was in life, right? He murdered people for his own gain. Yeah. So he's a truly evil, vile person. Yeah. No, this oh, is enough of that. This, no, you're <laughs> Get right. off my soapbox now. This is hardcore. <laughs> Um, you know, something else, you know, I love when, uh, this is 78, um, the Labrazio character gives the stick to Laszlo to beat Zombie Priest. Right. His response, with pleasure, with pleasure sir. sir. Right. Right. You know, he, <laughs> Laszlo, the priest's uh, henchman. Is, yeah. Is, you know, Turns against him, right? Even, even your, what you thought was your, your most trusted compatriots. Yep. Right. Yeah. What do you win? He's it's ready tough. to give him a few licks. And the next part, right. Besides all the, the, the dialogue going on between New Priest and Labrazio, the, Background. Right? He's giving it to him, right? Yeah, it's tough. All right, so the I next move that. is we get what's about? I gotta slip out. Oh really? Sorry. That yeah, time already? Oh, sorry about that. All right. I'm sure you'll wrap it up well. Unprecedented. We'll, we'll do okay. We'll we'll see if we we can well we'll, we'll bring we'll it on home. Yeah, all right. So the um eighty two starts the Norton's mother death, right? And right, and right. that whole storyline. Right. I think the visual on eighty two with the um, the spilt wine skull right. is Look, really looking like the smart. hat, looking like the right. Yeah. Gino Far. We've been. Oh, you know, the, you're right. I didn't realize the I, bottle top yeah. looks like I, her. Yeah, uh, that's, I only that's just picked well up on that that's, now. That's, that's, so that, that was really yeah. Yeah. clever. So it's laying that right in there. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, what is the reason he's killing her? I can't remember. Do we even know? I don't think we know yet. Yeah. Other than like you know, that's kind of like left up in the air. Yeah, that's odd. I'm not sure. Um, but that, that's a, a, a big loss, right? We, we, um, we lose two main characters, right? We, cause we lose Merle too, don't we? No. Did we lose Merle already? I think we did. Right. This might be, yeah, I'm not sure. But, um, but this is, this is a huge loss for the goon. You know, it, we're not sure what happened to Merle. Yeah. I'm not we sure. lost Smelly Steve. Smelly Seaweed. But he was a minor character. I don't know but, that. But, you know, we, we, don't, we don't know if Merle ever survived the epic battle on the siege of the priest's castle. Merle that got washed under, and then... Um, I think we assumed he was gone. But we don't, yeah. we don't know that. Right, Dr. Yeah. Allen showed up and kind of like changed it. But we never saw Merle again. Yeah. Merle is... And, and Buzzard, of course, is MIA. We have no idea where Buzzard is at this point, right? He's around. So, so many allies are falling away from Goon. Yeah. Important people in his life are going yeah. away. Yeah, that my only point was it's just the first major death. I think you could say arguably Merle, but this one's tough, right? I mean, right. how went out of his way to establish Goon's affection for the mother figure he Norton's never had. mother, right. right? And you know that 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 panel on eighty six of her dead in the snow is, is and that's the thing rough. too to die in such an ignoble way, right? This, uh, you know, here's a woman who you got the sense was was capable of so much more, and yet now she's gone. Yeah, and broke a little body in his hands on eighty seven. Yeah. Back into the New Norton's pub. Right. You see his anguish. I mean, th- this is, there's no jokes in this. You know, this and, is high stakes. And how sad that Goon has to be the one to bring his mother's dead body to Norton. 
right. presented that to his exactly. friend to say, here, you know, here it is, yeah. right? to be the bearer of the news. These, um, these panels on 9091 with the tears streaming down his face are effective, you know, and um, the rage with which he, you know... Uh, the 91 tears are really good. Driving oh, they're the car, really good. Driving the new car, right? So, well, alone, yeah. Right. Yeah. Driving the new car. Right? Driving the car to the cemetery, <laughs> right? He's got to find out. He's got to know. Is Labrazio still there? Because he has a suspicion that he's not. Yeah. But looking at, um, you know... That the sequence of digging up the coffin, you get the the Labrazio just kind of. I didn't pick up front. on the question yeah. mark at the end of the name Labrazio. That should have. I feel like such a yeah. dolt that I, I didn't you know see that there. Yeah, I, and this is. I mean, I, I think this is going to be explained. You know, eventually, I think we're going to see what right, happens. Right. But it, it's it's great setup for this kind of final. I know Paul said that um, he wants to see more of the battle, but I think the context getting to this battle tells a story, right? That he is in such right. a space of grief and rage that it, it's just going to be a massacre. Because the battle is not the conflict we're really interested in. It's the it's the finding out yeah. who's really orchestrating this. That's the conflict, right? Yeah. That's what's really going. On. The battle's kind of you know incidental. It happens. Yeah, and and Ray, I think we we're, we're supposed to understand that like they're laying in wait for him. That this is a setup, right. in a sense. Um, I do think the eyeballs in the snow are cute and clever. It is right. It's, <laughs> which which Howell is good for? Yeah. By the way, ninety eight. Right, so here's the big reveal yes, of right. what has happened. But the artistry, right? That you have two panels on top, two panels on bottom, and the lack of a right. panel in between, right. making it look like a coffin that Mama Norton is laying it's in. It's really good. It's really good, yeah. right? That's just beautifully done. Yeah, the symmetry of it also has like a kind of cross setup. It, yeah, you know? I didn't realize that until you just say it. Yeah. yeah. Right. But you're right, that coffin, that's really great. That's good. Very cleverly done. Yeah, I like, um, I also like the. Um, you know, Frankie's face, I think, is masterful. Yeah. Oh, it's and always, the last panel. Right. Um, but he has no pupils. So he's able to express emotion right. with eyebrows and, like, you know, cheeks. Yeah. That's how he, you know, because Frankie's eyes are Frankie's eyes. You know, we have nothing to work with there. Yeah. It's pretty good. And this is the um, the gypsy thing that is really going to set up, you know, you know, the issues of the next chapter. I think uh, chapter... Four and five could have been the same story, right? They're they're pretty seamless. Absolutely, one, one to the yeah. next, absolutely. We're right, not stepping away from the, the general story. But well, I mean, so what's happened? So we we've gotten the new zombie priest guy. We've gotten the harpies back. We've gotten the gypsy and his hen right, and her right. henchman back. Now we're going to get Mister Wicker, Mister Wicker right? back, right? Yeah, it's like all the forces of evil kind of coming right. back, coming up. together in one way or another. Yeah. And of course, what's interesting too about like uh, Madame Elsa joining, like now she's on the goon side suddenly, and he didn't expect to have that ally. Yeah, but she's only right. kind of an ally. She's really Norton's ally. Yeah. It's it's just a weird thing. Yeah, uh, another case of you know don't get too bogged down into. Your enemies, you you have right. to be able to adjust. Well, we saw this before when, right? Originally, Alloy starts off as sure. an enemy of Goon, and then becomes a right a, a compatriot of Goon. And, and Buzzard, right? Buzzard oh, has Buzzard, been right. been a problem in some cases, right. and you know, and yeah, I, the relationship with Zombie Priest is going to get more interesting as we go oh, too. More complicated. Now you got me excited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so I think the Myrna stuff at the beginning of this is pretty interesting. You know, uh, I, I think it, like he gives us just enough information to get intrigued, but not enough. You know, right, right. she's still singing those sad songs about you know being uh, jilted and misunderstood. You know, I like that it's the same Myrna. Um, yeah, she hasn't changed. That's right. Even though she's moved yeah. on, she hasn't really. 
And then we get into, you know, what the little bastards. What are they called? Oh, I do not Yeah, I can't remember. Right, right. Um, but they're wonderful. Those damn bastards or something I, I like that. I love them right? so much. They're like the little rascal's gone wrong, <laughs> right. gone heinously wrong. All the stuff with the fish, right? They want the squeezins. That's all fun. Um, it's gross, too. But I love that um, just like uh, Zombie Priest sent those little... Those little creatures for their reconnaissance or their ambush. Right, you know, right. The goons got his own his, guys. His own guys, right? I love that the uh, yeah these these mutant little rascals are part of the team. Happily, know? happily, put themselves in danger on Goon's behalf. Yeah, the um the watch stuff the watch is great. It's great. It's, it's little great. orphan Annie, right? Yeah, it's it's so wonderful. Good. It's very. It's our archives back to a great time in comics, right? And an alloy <laughs> built those for him, right? Well, Goon always yeah. has this one guy he could turn to be like, hey, can you cook me up these special watches so I can communicate with these right. little kids? You know, sure, no problem. That, just a little letter, right? Right, right. Top of 106. You're good, so right? <laughs> cool. Thank you for the help. I'm going to give you this thing, right? right. But imagine, like, like, you're a kid and you love the goon, right? That's been established that they worship right, the goon. That's, that's right. their center identity link. And then he gives you this thing and puts you on a team. It must be the greatest thing in, in the, the world, world right? right? You're made. You're made people. <laughs> it's so funny. You're part of his crew now. Um, yeah, all right. So moving on, now we have. Um, because right, I already talked about 106 and that, that creepy yeah. image right there, dead center, right? Of, oh, yeah, yeah. The broken zombie priest. Absolutely. Next move is we get Willie doing a little reconnaissance. On <laughs> it's wonderful how he does it. Yeah. I'll pretend to be real zombie, right? <laughs> I'll, go, I'll, go, I'll go underground. And we find out that zombie street is indeed empty. And I don't think we ever get the real answer, like what has happened to all the zombies, do we yet? Right, we just know they're not there. Right, we know they've they've moved to this kind of warehouse situation. Right, they're close. Right, we don't know why. We don't know like what's brewing, um, how it's going to play out. My guess is, I I can't really remember. I didn't read ahead. I haven't read. I ahead, think so that's like, coming. This is this would be a complete surprise to me when yeah. it happens. And I've read these things so long ago that it is like reading them for anew. It's so great. Um, now we get all the kind of negotiations about right. you know what it means to be. Uh, you know, Gypsy and the marriage and all of this. Um, yeah, that's that's all fine. 111 is interesting, right? This is the, um, what is this? This is a Myrna's Dream sequence, right? This Wait, is, before uh, we do that, can yeah, we just sure. comment? As I love this moment on, on 110 because it's Powell Stewart is still being faithful to how he likes to tell a story. When Frankie is questioning Norton and he says, Norton, <laughs> you're sure you want to marry this dame? Don't, you don't even know her. And he kind of says about the arranged marriage, and they flash her like her her rock hard abs, <laughs> yeah, right, and her rack, and like that's it. Frankie's like, yep, okay, well, I've seen enough. <laughs> I could have thought of worse arrangements, <laughs> right? Yeah, I just love that. No, it's a, it's a like it's a nice subtle joke. Yeah, right, I'm right, totally, right. yeah, I'll buy that. The the sequence on yeah, okay, so right, like dream like right because we we're made to, because a lack of any kind of framing around yeah right the imagery. And done really well because, and you know, I, we've seen this before, this kind of long shot, medium shot, close up. Shot, right. Sequencing. Because if he's using a camera to tell the story, right. not not pen and paper. And um, Myrna, you let them kill me, you know, this thing. And that's all just setting up her psychology. You know, we got glimpses of that at the end of the Wicker Man story. Uh, Miss, I keep saying Wicker Man. Mr. Wicker story. Mr. Wicker. Wicker. I um, think Wicker Man too. Yeah, the idea is, you know, that it's coming back. I mean... I don't think this ruins it. I think we're clearly supposed to understand that Mr. Wicker is Myrna, right? I did you not? I, I don't know. I think that's the understanding. I can't remember how it plays so? out. Is that skinny? 
Uh, yeah, I think I think we're supposed to believe that Skinny is definitively oh, dead. Oh, and then she takes on the new role. I think which that's is what, what Goon always suspected up. in the first place, which is kind of interesting that yeah. what Goon thought right, was going exactly. on is actually what's going on now. The old right? switcheroo they call that. Right. Um, no, I this is true. He's right. That's right. <laughs> I, I love the fact that she says to the 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 ticket taker at the booth, right? Where to? Home. Yeah. She, doesn't, she still doesn't identify it. Right? She doesn't yeah. give it a name. It's not New York, well, Chicago, St. Louis. Home. That's why I'm predicting this. I, I think it's the case. I don't know. But um, she seems to be in some kind of otherworldly state. You know right, what I mean? Right. She's she's tormented. A woman possessed, right? Yeah. So how do you avenge your brother? You in some way, I guess you you become him. You take on his powers. I don't know. I don't remember. How was it that he got the powers to do this in the, the first book? Place? He, he took Mama Norton's book, black book, right. and he found the spell in it, right? And he called uh, the That's powers right. of nature to him. That's right. What do you make of this, by the way, in 113, that the uh, Madame Elsa's brother figures out a way to make peace with the goon, and apparently it's like pastry. <laughs> right. Cake, right? Like, it's something so simple, right? Yeah. I'll offer him some pastry. Is it, is it, is it a brother? Was that a, I don't know. I thought she identified him as a brother. Was it? Right. My brother. I don't know if it was just a henchman. Right. But the, um, yeah, I love that little, like, B story in the background. Right. Guy getting cake. And what what is that all about? And they're okay know? with that. And yeah. they say so little to each other. Just like, you know, here you go. Here's some yeah. cake. Pretty good. I think if somebody brought me cake, though, I'd, I'd think better of them. Well, why wouldn't you? The, um... <laughs> The sequence on 114, I think, is great. I agree. I agree. Where the, the water becomes the hand that reaches out. And her reaction, you know, there is an evil at work here, the likes of which I've never seen. We are all doomed. What great drama to Beautiful set up point. whatever's going to come next. By the way, and this really works because we've seen this before, right? When Zombie Priest jumped into his bowl, right? And he yeah, visited the, right. the creature wearing the Fez hat and on the, yeah, yeah. On the sedan in, in another comic. Right? So That's very a, early. Right, yeah. and he brings it up again, this kind of concept that, you know, you can scry into other places. Yeah, this is this is the kind of, um, the kind of uh, what, uh, nexus of, like, liminal spaces that you can, right, yeah. right. It's, it's multi-dimensional good. universes, right? right? And it, parallel it, universes. It's good concept. mythology, um, and I love right. the idea. Like you know, she's so cocky going into this, and not we're all doomed. Yeah, right? I, I t- like I got this. You know what? You need somebody to take care of, no problem. And she realizes, you know, the honesty is telling. Right. There's, we're really in trouble here. We're out of our league. Right? Yeah, what a great sequence to establish stakes. You know, it's real like. I think, you know, the individual little storytelling in this uh, volume is astoundingly good. I, it just, like, you know, going back to what we were talking about before, it just doesn't really hold up as a kind of cohesive arc yet. I mean, because I, it's, it's all just built, you know? I, I think you need it, though. I mean, if I'm reading this... Oh, this is built, absolutely, right. Yeah, if I'm reading this month to month, like, it's, it's getting me to... to to really be interested in the next month. Oh, I'm purchasing you know, the next one, right. You gotta find out where the story ends, right. It's Twin Peaks or something like that, yeah. where you just, you know, the page turner, you wanna keep going. Yeah. So, all right, now, yeah, it really is all over the place. We're back to Mr. Wicker now, right? Right, right. And jumping back and forth in this one. Right, this one really didn't have a cohesive arc, the, the fifth L, right? No, yeah. But, you know, whatever. Much, much set up. Um, Goon, you know, shoots him. I like how he turns into this other thing and wisps away. That's really interesting, right? The yeah. Wicker man has taken on new powers, new abilities, right, to, yeah. to transform. Um, I really like the joke between 120 and 121. Uh, he yells out, 
what the hell's going on around here? Right? <laughs> right. Which, which, you know, I didn't think of until this discussion, but, you know, is really his state of mind at this point, you right. know, in this constant state of confusion and about the world changing around him. It's rhetorical, it's existential, but our the kid answers it. Right, <laughs> very literally. And we always got to remember, too, for the goon, the goon never wanted any of this. Right. All he wanted in life, right, was some stability to create a sense of order and... and Everything just, it just keeps getting worse. Each time he thinks he solves a problem, it gets worse tenfold. Yeah. But it's, uh, the kid, well, we was pretending to play marbles, and then Charlene was going to slug me in the head, and that big thing tried to kill us, and you made it blow away. What do you, what's the problem? Right. What do you mean? That's exactly what happened. Go home, kid. Go home. <laughs> it's really good. Um, yeah, I think that's like... I don't know. Maybe it's it's wholesome, but it, it's good stuff. And uh, yeah, I think it ends on this sweet note that you were talking about with just like get right. a guy a couple cupcakes, uh, right? Cupcake. Maybe that's gonna solve the confusion. You right, know what right, I mean? Right. Although it's strange because that was a sworn enemy, you know, not too long ago. But now they're breaking bread together. Uh, yes. Right. Yeah, I think that's right. All right. Do we have anything to say about not Peach's really. Valentine? No. It's um, it's goofy. I mean, it's Powell having fun. Yeah. So. I'm not a fan of Oprah or The Secret. <laughs> um, I don't know what The Secret is. I'd... So, from what I understand, The Secret is like one of these kind of guru self-help things. Apparently, the central tenant is if you make a wish board, which is some kind of like arts and crafts project, mm-hmm. you know, I guess you clip out of, you know, your your Cosmo, you know, the perfect body and the perfect car <laughs> and you put them on a wish board, then, then your dreams will come true. Okay. So... That seems to be what he's sending up here, you know, the idea of this kind of magical thinking, which is very much in line with, you know, I, I am somebody that is a great opponent of, of magical thinking, you know, right, right. Um, you know, it, it just, it, it leads to no good. You know, I think, uh, I think Santa Claus is God Jr. It's a way to, uh, to, to get children to believe in, in things that, you know, may or may not exist. I don't think they exist, but it's indoctrination. I think the secret is along those lines, okay, you know? Okay. Um, and that's what he's trying to do here. And he's also trying to, I think, disparage Oprah as well. I, I mean, it's all fine. You know, I thought the the, the way it's drawn is weird. You know? I know, it's so different. And the at the very last, on 126, the appearance of the South Park characters. Yeah. Which is really bizarre. I didn't see that one coming. Well, it's strange, but I feel like this kind of critique is something that South Park would do. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Right. Um, you know, it seems more of that world than of the PAL world. Um, but I mean, they're, they're, I don't know why they need to say this. I guess it's because it's because South Park is kind of famous for being able to turn over material quickly. So we just had the election, right? Um, they had, you know, Donald Trump being the winner and the critique of that. Literally days after that happened. Right, be able to turn that kind of story out, right? right? And the point is here that the nature of comic books does not allow for that as readily. So <laughs> it's making that point. You know, I don't know. It's fine. Um, but it's, what's interesting is right, he's beating South Park to the punch by purpose. Like, right, he's, he's, he's time and date stamped this little comic here. So even if South Park puts out something like this, he kind of can say to his critics, yeah. well, you know I had that written before, and I even made fun of South Park for it. Right, yeah. Right. I, I can it's very say, heady stuff. Yeah, I, I can say that I said it even though it doesn't seem that way. Right. Yeah, right. It's, it's something like that. Um, yeah, overall, I would say uneven, but but 
Really great. Uneven. Really yeah, absolutely. Great. I mean, you know, but... Good setup material. Yeah. Beyond what we're going to get with the buzzard, you know, story later, though, I don't think you're ever going to get anything that is as kind of fully realized as the Chinatown, you know? Mm-hmm. And we made the point before, but, you know, the genius of that might make the rest suffer. And that's unfortunate. Because, you know, this is this is better than this, you know, volume we read today is better than most anything I've ever read in comic right. books. So you're saying, like, his Chinatown is... It's, it's tough. It's, it's his pet sounds. Yeah, it, it's yeah. his white album, right? It's Maybe. His, right? Yeah. Double I, nickels on the dime. This is his opus, yes. right? Look, <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you... That's a great example, right? When you look at, like, the Minutemen's later work... Oh, right. Pales it, it seems silly because right. Double Nickels is genius, you know? And, and there are some good songs, yeah. but never again is there that same kind of depth and breath all at one time. It's tough. Can you blame somebody for <laughs> not reproducing the greatest, you no. know, punk rock record ever? Right. You Giving know? it your all. Like, Absolutely. It's tough. Uh, and I, I really feel that way about Pal. So... All right, what is uh, next on the docket? I don't even know. Uh, number eight is for us. Oh, I don't even have it here. Yeah. I don't have it here somewhere. Whatever it is. my bed stand because I'm reading it currently. <laughs> Whatever it is, we'll do it justice. Um, you have it? Uh, those That Is Damned. Those That Is Damned. It's our next. So, oh my, wait. Is That might be the buzzard story I'm talking about. I would I'm hope so. Sure. We need him to come back. It's I've been like, a long time. I've been, I've been holding back on it because it's my favorite thing ever in comics. I think it might be that. If it's not that, it's coming, but all right, very much looking forward.